Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I am sex and intimacy coach Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Hey friends, welcome back. One bit of housekeeping before we get started. In the next episode, I'm finally going to get around to talking about the first two episodes of the HBO show Starstruck. It is one of my favorite shows of the last few years. It's a charming romantic comedy featuring Rose Matafeo and Nikesh Patel. And here's a brief summary to hopefully get you interested. Jessie is a 20-something New Zealand woman living in London, working jobs in a movie theater and as a nanny. After a one-night stand on New Year's Eve, she discovers she slept with famous movie star Tom Kapoor. The series explores Jessie and Tom's relationship as they break up, reunite, and are repeatedly drawn back to each other. So if you want to watch the first two episodes of that series before you listen to me doing a pop culture pillow talk, you can find them streaming in the US on the Max app or on Amazon Prime Video. And know this, I dare you to watch the first two episodes and not get drawn into watching the whole first season, just so you know. Okay, now on to today's episode. Recently, I got a message from Debbie saying that she'd like to ask a question on the podcast. The gist of her question was, as a woman in my mid-60s, I'm having the best sex of my life. Is that common? Obviously, with an introduction like that, I had to hear her story. Too often, we think of postmenopausal women as dried up or no longer interested in sex or, most disturbingly, no longer relevant. And while some postmenopausal women do lose their interest in sex, there are many, many more of us who remain sexually interested and relevant for decades. And that's why Danielle Silverstein of the Marriage Martinis podcast and I are running the workshop Beyond Permission, Unleashing Your True Sexual Self in Midlife. Because we've been fed a line of bullshit all of our lives. First, it was embracing our sexuality was dangerous or perverted. And then our pleasure was less important than our partner's. And then just as the kids are out of the house or you finally have the financial stability to have fun or whatever it might be, it's that the best sexual years have passed us by. And none of that is true. Our sexuality is an inherent and natural part of ourselves. We've been taught to repress it because it was threatening and inconvenient to others 
not to ourselves. Our pleasure is equally as important as anyone else's, and our best sexual years are now. As we learn to acknowledge our pleasure, identify what gives us pleasure, and then advocate to receive that pleasure. I want to live in a world where we all stop asking for permission to experience our true sexual selves. I want a world where we see our sexuality as so inherent and natural to our very beings that it would never occur to us to ask for permission. So quick sales pitch, if that sounds good to you, join us at Beyond Permission from January 25th to 27th. It's all online, so you can do it from anywhere in the world. You can even be in your PJs with a cup of hot cocoa or even a hot toddy. And we're offering a special $20 discount for podcast listeners. So to join us, go to beyondpermission.com and use the coupon code BEYOND20 for $20 off your registration. It's going to be just in time to get you all juiced and excited for Valentine's Day. And even better, if you sign up and then send your sign up code to a friend, you will both get $25 off your registration. So you can get $45 with the coupon and by inviting a friend. Okay, end of sales pitch. Back to Debbie. She's a woman who has clearly moved beyond permission. She told me in her introductory message that while she was always multi-orgasmic, now she can have dozens of orgasms in a single session. And the connection with her partner is so intense that she marvels at her fortune. I'm marveling at it as well. (laughs) As someone who has never been multi-orgasmic, I'm in awe of her story. But I also don't want to set that up as a goal for any of us. Success isn't measured in the number of orgasms you have, but in the amount of pleasure you experience. So let's get us all some pleasure. Debbie is a 63-year-old cisgender woman. She describes herself as white, heterosexual, monogamous, and married. She describes her body as slender and athletic. Let's welcome Debbie. Debbie, I'm so excited to have you here today. You reached out and your story is so interesting. And you have such an interesting question that I couldn't wait to talk to you. So thank you so much for being here. Yes, well, thank you so much for your podcast, because I started listening a few years ago, and then hadn't listened for a while, and then went back to it. And um, I just want to thank you for helping people explore their sexuality not just women, but people, because I love the way you talked about men also, and that we just don't, we don't give them the tools to communicate um, a lot of the time. And yeah, that's luckily I'm with somebody now that is not like that. (laughs) You just communicate well. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) And that's what we're here to talk about today, because if I understand correctly, you have met somebody now in your later years, who 
who you're having amazing sex with and your question is about that. Yeah. So um, why don't you sort of give me the background? Let me know uh, what what is it that you want to share and then uh, what is it that you're interested in learning about? Okay. Well, I, I guess my question is, how common is this? Because after talking to my girlfriends, nobody has the physical capabilities that I do. And um, so I just wonder how rare is this? I mean, it's also wonderful to get to be at this point in my life and have the best sex ever. <laughs> May we all learn from you. <laughs> I hope it helps somebody because, wow, you know, maybe yeah. it's just letting go in your head. I don't know. You know, I think things in my life maybe have led me down a path to where I'm much more open and able to speak out in a way mm -hmm. that I didn't when I was younger. Yeah. So in terms of how common this is, I don't know that it's necessarily super common for people to sort of take that turn. Um, you know, you're in your 60s. Um, but with that said, every person's body and every person's brain is different. You had asked if it, you know, it might be something about you just becoming more open or something physical. It could be anything. Um, it very often as we get older, we do begin to shed some of our inhibitions or our concerns, our taboos, because it's like, well, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm past that part of my life where I really care about that. And if actually, um, if you go back in the feed, and this is probably a couple of years ago now, um, there's a, a conversation with Maya Strom, and she talks about exactly this, about how oh. her theory, and she's very clear, this is a theory. <laughs> she has not done any research on it. But her theory that as we as our bodies stop producing as much estrogen, that begins to lessen that need to take care of everybody else because estrogen is a hormone that supports our desire to nurture. And that as that begins to lessen, it's more likely that we're going to be like, fuck it. <laughs> Let's yeah, just do all yeah. the things. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I like yeah. that theory, you know, and, I do and too. if that's the case, <laughs> hey, that gives all of us women, you know, that we're stuck on hormone replacement therapy years ago, you know, to say, hey, we're okay. Yeah, yeah. So I know there's some stuff that you want to share. So please mm -hmm. do. So I guess with sexuality, um, when I was 17 and I was dating a, a boy who was a few years older and we would have oral sex or he would perform oral sex on me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I hadn't had a lot of experience at that point, but he just paid attention. Mm. And so he would give me six or seven orgasms. Oh, wow. So you've been a multi-orgasmic from the beginning. Uh, yes, I guess. I mean, not my first, that wasn't my first sexual encounter. And, and there were times before and times after where I didn't have any. Sure. Um, and, um, but he just paid attention. And so then, of course, there was this kind of dry spell in my life. <laughs> um 
And then I was married for almost 28 years and um, he passed away. Um, but, but it was 28 years. It was a little bit kind of the same thing. It got the job done, <laughs> um, sure. usually from oral sex also. And I'd never, I think maybe once or twice I'd had vaginal orgasms um, if I was in the right position. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, it got the job done and I would have two or three orgasms uh, anytime, which was good. And then after that, uh, ended up in a relationship with somebody that hid his narcissism very well. Mm. And it was a nightmare. And he did not want me after we were in this relationship for some time. He did not want me giving him any instructions. He took it Mm -hmm. as a personal affront Mm -hmm. and yelled at me in the middle Mm -hmm. of sex. And I had to, I thought of it in a way that I'm still doing this for me. I think sex is healthy. I didn't want to be in that relationship. But until I could get out, I would make it the best that I could just to get through it. And so I would still have, you know, two or three orgasms sometimes. Um, So, yeah, I've always had that aspect that I guess having orgasms isn't that difficult for me because I hear Mm -hmm. other people talk about their challenges. Um, After I got out of that, I worked on myself. I took time for myself and I had never been adverse to um masturbation. So of course I dated myself during that time period nice. uh-huh. and um, learned some things about myself. And so, and, and also I think part of it is knowing what you don't want in your life. Mm-hmm. And that kind of leaves the door open for what you do want coming your way. And there's an interesting thing when you're riding horses on a trail and I just took up mountain biking also. And they uh-huh. told me the same thing is don't look at where you don't want to go. Because if you're looking at that, you're going to go there every time. (laughs) And so you have to have that clear view in your head with relationships too, of what you don't want, but what you want. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of really worked on that. And then, um, well, before I met him, I did find out something very interesting. And I can think myself into an orgasm without any touching. And I know, wow, is right. And that's what I keep saying to myself, wow. (laughs) And so how old are you at this point? Probably 60. Oh, so this is 61. Oh, yeah, just like three years ago, maybe about three years ago. Okay, before just before I met my husband. And it takes like, I mean, I could do it right here. Oh my goodness, wow. Probably too much. Yeah, I mean, it's like right there. So yeah. it could take me 10 seconds and I can have an orgasm like That's that. Amazing. And it's, yeah, it's not like I'm walking around like I've heard about people who have orgasms thrown on them, like they, they can't stop it. That's right. not what this is. This is just if I choose it, it can happen. And I tested it enough driving down the road. You know, I'm like, how does this, how, can I do this anywhere? You know, uh-huh. and, and they're not huge, intense orgasms, but it's definitely an orgasm. Wow. That is fascinating. And to discover it 
later in life is amazing. I'm yeah. curious if so you told me that you have a child. Um, mm-hmm. Did going through childbirth change your experience of sex or orgasm either way for the better or for the worse? Um, no, not really. I mean, of course, after you have a child, you know, it's challenging to have the time for sex. But besides that, no, it didn't, um, it didn't really change anything um, at all. And so should I talk about meeting my husband? Yes, please. Okay, well, I was not looking to date anyone. I had friends say, why don't you go online? I'm like, oh God, no. If I can't look somebody in the eye, Mm. no, 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 that's not me at all. I would never do that. And I've heard so many horror stories. So I wasn't looking and I was going to move to a whole different part of the world that I really, I visited and I loved and they have lots of horses there. And and so that was my plan. And so I, my friend was shown a photo and said, my friend is looking for a nice woman. And he had been alone for about 20 years and had a few first dates, but nothing. And um, so I I wasn't going to date. I said, no, no, I'm not dating anybody. You know, I'm going to move. I'm not going to do this. And then I had a dream that... Uh, and it, there was a man sitting behind me in a chair, which I didn't realize at the time it probably meant the wheelchair, if you believe that stuff's possible. And I kept thinking, look at the photo. He's got kind eyes and a nice smile. Hmm. And I still look at his pictures and I think the same exact thing. And so I said, okay, yes, give him my information. And we went out dancing on our first date. Oh. Um yeah, had a great time. And so yeah, we just struck it off uh, right from the start. And we're just a lot alike. Um, We like learning new things. We're adventurous. We're, we like, uh, you know, challenging ourselves athletically. Um, Yeah, and and that whole thing just translates into us having this Plus, because we had bad relationships, both of us, um, it was really important for both of us to be able to speak up. We're Mm. not always going to agree on everything, although I haven't found anything so far we don't agree on, (laughs) which is nice. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But yeah, we we don't have to, you know, agree on everything, but we're just very much alike and no drama. And it's just so nice. But with that said, that that allows us to communicate about everything. And so, yes, on our our second date, when I knew things were going well, I said, you know, I learned this thing about myself and that I can think myself into an orgasm. I said, do you want to see this? Wow. That's bold. Okay. I guess I am adventurous. I know. I always think of myself as being kind of meek and mild. Nobody that knows me, most people would not know this about me. That I'm like, (laughs) I love that too. Um, So yeah, I said, watch this, and he's and he laughs, but he he said, yeah. I thought, well, if I play my cards right, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) we're gonna have sex. (laughs) And yes, we did. And so it just right from the get go fabulous just fabulous 
Do you wish your partner would touch you differently, but you're not sure how to bring it up or what to say? I get it. Until a few years ago, I couldn't imagine asking for anything I wanted. I thought I wasn't allowed to have wants or needs. I thought good girls laid back and accepted what they got. I thought if I asked for something outside the regular repertoire, it would make my partner think that I was open for anything. And then they'd start pressuring me for extreme things I definitely didn't want. I built it up in my head to the point that it was hard for me to communicate at all during sex. Instead, I played the dead fish game, laying on my back and waiting for it to be over. Even those times when someone said, what do you want? I was so used to not speaking that I didn't know how to ask for anything. And I was pretty sure that they wanted an answer that could be done for like 30 seconds before they got on to whatever they wanted to do, which made it even more unappealing to build up the courage to ask for what I wanted. All of that changed when I started learning that I was allowed to have a voice during sex, that I wasn't doomed to a lifetime of whatever anyone else wanted to do to me just because I was born female. I can help you take the same journey to finding your voice because you deserve a deeply fulfilling, intimate life and you can have it. I would be honored to be your coach on the journey. I am queer, kinky, and non-monogamy friendly. To find out if we're a good match, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Again, that's leahcarry.com forward slash coaching to book your free discovery call. And that link is in the episode description on the app you're listening in now. I guess I should say at this point that the way that he is different than anybody I've been with before is that he is a paraplegic. And that resulted at the age of 25 from high level sports. And can you um, clarify, because I get confused about which term means which. Sure. What does paraplegic mean? Uh, paraplegic is... L- my understanding, lower extremities. Okay. And so from the waist down, it can be different spots for different people, you know, depending upon where their back is broken. But he has um, use of his hands and his upper. Yes. Um, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And he's okay. very strong. And the, those sexy, manly hands. I just love it. <laughs> it just does it for me. Yeah. So, yes. Um, yeah. And um, he's just... He's explained to me that he's always cared about wanting to know what women want Mm. and what women are about in a way that I don't think a lot of men I've been with um, have been. And I wonder if that might really play into the amount of pleasure that you have. It's not necessarily about him being a super skilled lover, although he might be. I would love to give him credit for that. But yes, it's (laughs) me too. It's what my body could do. But it's also that he, you can feel from him, there's a big difference between let's create an experience that's going to be amazing for both of us and okay, we're having sex and I want to give you like 30 seconds of whatever you need before we do what I want, you know, which is how a lot of sex goes. Exactly. And, you know, he explained to me that um, 
that he really believes that every man should have to lose being able to use his penis <laughs> for a week of his <laughs> uh -huh. life because he would think about sex in a whole different way. Wow. And yes. Um, and, you know, he says he derives pleasure from my pleasure. Mm -hmm. And he has had a, I don't know if it, uh, he's had a few whole body orgasms since we've been together. So there's that possibility, although I have to not focus on that end result too, because he says there's no rhyme or reason in that. And I can understand that. So so I just have to throw myself under the bus and say, I'll take all the pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> so can I ask you some questions about your sex life? Um, with the understanding that, please, these are questions you should not ask somebody unless you have permission. Um, yeah. It is not okay to ask what's going on in somebody's pants, um, no matter who they are. So I just heard you say that he thinks everybody should lose their ability to use their penis for a week. So do I take that to mean that he does not have function in his penis? No, he, he does not. And um, he can take and get, a, it's an injection erection where they actually inject um, a trimix of stuff into the penis. And it has worked a couple times. And that was wonderful. Yeah. So that was enjoyable for both of you? Y yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because I was able to give him oral sex, even though he doesn't uh -huh. feel it. He gets to see it. Sure. And I, you know, that's a visual. And yes, it, it was really, it was just added to the whole experience of sex mm -hmm. uh, for us together. Yeah. Did you take an opportunity to like ride him on top? In oh yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Again, absolutely. the visual for him must be wonderful if that's not yeah. something he gets very often. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so, what does your sex life primarily consist of? Is it primarily oral? Does he use his hands a lot? Sort of like, what do you do? <laughs> well, um, that's where, I mean, we're both so adventurous and we're, we both have kind of this imagination that we love to think outside the box. And so always trying to come up with something new. I'm like, try this, Bob, let's get in this position and let's, <laughs> you know, I love that. And, and I guess because I've had pretty much kind of boring most of my life. I mean, most people would say, hey, you have two or three orgasms. That's pretty good. Right. <laughs> but for me, I love it being varied. And I'm much more adventurous than I thought that I ever was. Mm -hmm. And so we do a little bit of everything. And he's tried some things on me. I'm not going to go into detail, but things he said he would never think that he would do. Uh -huh. And he was kind of glad that I didn't really like it so much. <laughs> <laughs> but uh -huh. I thanked him because I got to try it, you know. Sure. Yeah. But... um. Yeah, with that said, a, a little bit of everything. I mean, oral sex, yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And I can have so many, uh, 
so many different kinds of orgasms, which is so nice with him because we do vary it up so much. I can have nipple orgasms. I can have clitoral orgasms with lots of oral sex. Yes. <laughs> and, um, you know, his him using his fingers in conjunction with the oral sex and all different ways. And he's so open to trying the G spot in, in you know, in my vagina and the A spot. And yeah, it's just this big, fun, adventurous party. And we laugh all the time. I can laugh in the middle of sex and it just makes it better. So I can have 20, 30, 40, we don't, 50, we don't keep a clicker. We don't take count. And yet estimating how quickly I can have them, there's like no refractory period with these. Mm -hmm. Just goes from one to the next to the next in like every 30 seconds. Yeah. I once dated a woman who had, who was a regular multiple orgasmer and it did make me feel (laughs) very good about myself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's what my husband explained. Yes. Yeah. He says he feels like he's doing a mogul run. <laughs> yeah. That sounds amazing and also exhausting. <laughs> yes. I, yeah. That's the thing is I am so, I feel so grateful. My, my husband now is the only person that's ever been able to keep up with me. Oh, wow. And yeah, sexually, I didn't, I mean, I knew I liked sex, but I didn't realize I had such a a high sex drive. And now, why would I not want that? Yeah. How do you know when you're done? Is it him getting tired? Is it you getting tired? Is there something in your body that says, okay, we're good now? Like, what happens? That's a great question, because I've asked myself that a lot. Like, how do we... It's usually, he laughs about me tapping out. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) <laughs> and sometimes it's him, sometimes it's me, or we'll just switch it up, you know, if, if his jaw gets tired or um, he has to move his arm in a different position because it's getting tired. Um, it, I don't know when it would ever completely end. We could just keep going, but it's usually that it's, I don't want to say I'm tired, Um Because like I said, we change positions a lot when things get, you know, muscles get a little stiff from being in one position for a while. Um, I don't know what the really, the answer on that is that um, it's usually one or both of us or, and then he's always so sweet. He'll like massage my vagina for me. (laughs) Like, oh, here, let's just end this now. (laughs) But I will say that my energy level just gets up there it's like it gets it does it's not like when I've had really a few really intense ones and then you kind of just have to you know it's time to stop mm-hmm. so there's times when we stop and I go god I could keep going I really want to keep going but <laughs> you know at some point you have to just say okay we've been at this a while we know we can do this anytime we want <laughs> it's wonderful yeah So you mentioned that his pleasure comes from watching you have pleasure, which is, I I have to say, because sometimes women will hear that and be like, 
I don't really believe that's true or that must be so unusual. I don't actually think it is unusual. I think that it's something, again, that we have not taught our men is a desirable quality. Um, But there are a lot of men who are that way. I'm very blessed to have a partner who is the same. Um, So what kinds of things are you able to do for him to have physical pleasure? Because he he does have upper body use. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I mean, just touching, kissing, caressing. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I have to say, though, that when we're not having sex, I always think I need to do more for him (laughs) because it's so focused on me a lot of the time. But, you know, I mean, he has very sensitive nipples like I do. So sensitive. There were people that did not know what to do with them at all (laughs) in my life. That whole aspect was just pushed aside. And um, so I understand about sensitive nipples and that can be very pleasurable. Um, And so, you know, I, I, I told him that to let me know whatever it is that he would like me to do. Um, So, you know, it's, it's just a big adventure. So who knows what we'll come up with. (laughs) Yeah. What I love about this is that so frequently, people with various disabilities are thought of as asexual or non-sexual. They're seen as completely non-sexual beings. Mm-hmm. And it's not true. It is so not true. And we need yeah. more stories like yours to show people how not true it is. Um, I know you said that his um, dating record was pretty spotty, but had he had some good sexual relationships since his accident? Oh, yes, yes. Um, He was out in the dating world and um, he always loved kind of wild, adventurous women, which I thank all those women in his past (laughs) for all (laughs) the practice for him to be prepared to be with me. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was married at one point. Um, You know, I think he's a lot like me and that he puts the energy into it to make Mm -hmm. it good, as good as possible. Awesome. Have you watched the TV show Mom? Uh, yes, yes. Actually, I had seen that show. Yes. On CBS with um, Allison Janney. And she like she is this six foot Amazon woman. Um, and in the show, she dates a man in a wheelchair. And she similarly has, I don't think she says it's the best sex of her life, but it is very clearly very good sex. Um, And I just love, again, that representation of people just because they don't have all of exactly the same function that I do does not mean that they are not a wonderful lover and companion and partner. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just a different way of doing things. Mm -hmm. So you wanted to talk about, again, um, how rare or common it might be for somebody to find this later in life. And again, I think it goes back to like being, being in a place where you're open enough to have the experience. And also, I think with younger people, there is very much the 
um, sense of scarcity. Like if I don't take this person, maybe nobody else will come along. And I need to have this, I need to have a person, whether it's to get married, to have kids, to be socially acceptable, whatever the the thing is, there's a lot of scarcity mentality. And I think that's why we tend to get so hung up on people who are not the right match for us, because we're afraid if we let them go, we'll never find somebody else. Whereas as we get older, that becomes a little less crucial. Um, Not to say that we don't still want companionship, but especially women, I think, learn like, oh, I can do this on my own. After a lifetime of taking care of other people, I can do it on my own. And so that need for the partner becomes less. And so you really can vet for somebody who's going to be a great match for you and hopefully have great sex. For us, communication is really big. Yeah. And yeah, that leads into having great sex. If you can communicate about it, yeah, it can just get better and better. Were you able to communicate right from the beginning, from the get-go? Or was that something that you had to learn how to do with each other, like figure out each other's um, patterns and habits? Um, Well, there's always some things to learn, I think. Um, We've been together a little over a year and a half and got married two months ago. And it's wonderful. (laughs) And I know my friends have always kidded me, you know, the sex can't stay like that all the time. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) They said that early on. (laughs) I'm like, watch this. (laughs) Yes. Um, So yeah, uh, I just kind of lost my train of thought. Uh, So yeah, speaking up um, is just really, it's very important. Um, Debbie, is there anything else that we haven't covered that you want to or other questions you wanted to ask? Oh, I guess one thing I didn't talk about, one other kind, I don't think I said this, one other kind of orgasm that I can have, and it's usually after we've been having sex for a while, is like hugging orgasms. So if I'm laying on top of him and he hugs me really tight and I put my arms around him and I kind of tense up a little bit, um, I guess use those pelvic muscles. Well, no, actually with these kind of orgasms, I don't really do that. It just a full body orgasm. It just hits me. Wham. And yeah, those are wonderful. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. This has been such a pleasure. Well, thank you. And and again, I thank you for having this platform and opening the store for people like me that I think I'm really just like everybody else out there and to express <laughs> in a way that we're all unique. Yeah. Yeah. And so listeners, if any of you would like to have a conversation and get your questions answered, bring a challenge to the table, um, please get in touch with me. I would love to have that conversation with you just like we did with Debbie. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Here are my three takeaways from my conversation with Debbie. Number one, past disappointment does not need to be a predictor of future pleasure. Debbie had so-so sex during a long-term marriage, and then she was in an abusive relationship. 
But now she's having the best sex of her life. Too often we think my body doesn't respond the way I want, but this must be all that's available to me. Or like I thought for so long, my body doesn't respond, so I must be broken. But that's almost never the full story. More often, there are countless factors that lead to unsatisfying sex, including how safe you feel, how connected you feel, how desired you feel, and whether or not your partner is touching your body in the specific ways that bring you pleasure. If you can begin to correct some of those factors, you may well see your previously unsatisfying sex life as far more pleasurable. Number two, we tend to view people who are physically or mentally disabled as asexual, not because they have less capacity, but because of our own biases. We can't imagine it, so it doesn't exist. Or, even more disturbing, we imagine it would take too much effort, so we choose to not consider it at all. But people with disabilities run the full gamut of experience just like the rest of us, from asexual to highly sexual. In the last episode, I mentioned that I was at a sex party on New Year's Eve. There was a person there who said during the introductions, as you can see, I'm missing a leg. That means there are more positions I can get into because there are fewer limbs to accommodate. If this whole concept leaves your brain spinning, I highly recommend watching the TV show Mom. All eight seasons are currently available in the United States to stream on Hulu. In season three, one of the main characters begins a relationship with a man who is paralyzed from the waist down, and it becomes a central relationship throughout the rest of the series. And I also highly encourage you to listen to episodes in this feed with people who have disabilities. I will put some links in the show notes for you to find them. And number three, our age does not dictate our sexual viability. The best sex of Debbie's life began when she was in her 60s. I hope that this story is giving you motivation to continue exploring your own capacity for pleasure. And if so, go to beyondpermission.com to join us for the Beyond Permission weekend, January 25th to 27th. And don't forget to use the coupon code that's only for podcast listeners, Beyond 20. That's all for today. Remember that if you'd like to watch Starstruck before we break down the first two episodes, you can find it streaming in the U.S. on the Max app or on Amazon Prime Video. If you'd like to be on the podcast and receive a free coaching session, go to goodgirlstalk.com forward slash session and send me your information. And if you'd like to become a regular coaching client, all of that information is at leahcarry.com. While you're there, set up a free, no pressure, no obligation phone call so we can chat and see if we're a good fit for each other. All of those links are in the app you're listening on now. 
If you have questions or comments about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Full show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced and edited by me, Leah Carey, and transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Until next time, here's to your better sex life. <laughs>